You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, the Buffalo Rumblings podcast, and the only podcast giving you information on the first day of tampering in free agency. I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike. Fellas, how's it going? First day? Let's go, Bills. Yeah, Bills making moves. Mike? Nate, what is up? Great to be with you. Great to be with you, too. So this is super informal. I don't know if I mentioned it, but I'm your host, Nate. Um, And uh, today, uh, Monday, March 11th, was the first day of quote-unquote tampering of free agency. What a weird what a weird way of, of, of describing free agency tampering. Doesn't it just make it sound illegal or something? Sure, the Patriots are having a field day today. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna discuss uh, a little bit of what's happening on the AFC East. But yeah, just who calls it tampering? I think that's just the. Uh, I think that's the official free agent tamper. I think if you look at NFL.com, the official like the NFL. No, that's not what they. They just call it the first, probably open lines of communication between agents and and players. This is because you can't formally sign anything. It's just everything is reported. So literally within. You know, days, even though we're reporting it and everyone else, Schefter and Ian Rappaport has reported it, it could literally... It's like calling something the fraud period. Like, it just... I'm objecting to you <laughs> to you calling it a tampering period. The, wait, wait, wait. Let's go back. The frog period? Did you just make that up or is that like a psychology term? I no, it's just... Like, I don't know what it's called. No. <laughs> you like you naming it? Yeah. Well, okay. I... Yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna... Uh, I think it's just called the, the tampering period. So... So players can officially can't officially sign, but they can basically lock up things with with players and, you know, barring certain things that they can, you know, I mean, players can easily decide not to go places if they want to. Like, like we're going to get into Frank Gore in a minute, but just a couple of years ago, Frank Gore decided to go to Indianapolis instead of Philadelphia, where he was supposed to sign. So um, guys can back out. It doesn't happen. It's not it's not common, but it it has happened. Um, Mind you, um, some of these guys. They're not very clear cut, you know. Uh, this is an awesome player, or this is a crappy player. Um, there's just thoughts on, on both sides of each of these guys. So we're just kind of going to inform the listeners in this podcast, this episode, and uh, just kind of just generally roundtable discuss these players. So um, the first guy that was um, officially or unofficially reportedly signing with the Bills was Houston former Houston Texans cornerback Kevin Johnson. And uh, former first-round pick Johnson was selected 16th overall in the 2015 NFL Draft out of Wake Forest. 
Johnson was released by the Texans last week after struggling with a number of injuries over the past three seasons. Um, John struggling. <laughs> um, it doesn't. This signing doesn't factor in the compensatory uh, pick formula because his status as a free agent. But uh, it's it's more of more or less just veteran cornerback depth. Um, behind you know Tre'Davious White, starting cornerbacks Tre'Davious White and Levi Wallace. At this point, um, Levi Wallace obviously had a really great end of the season as an undrafted free agent cornerback last year, but they're just looking to add depth. This regime is very big on defensive back depth, whether it's at the safety or the cornerback position. So this doesn't come in a surprise. This guy obviously has talent, but he's had injury hi- history. Um, I uh, I think it's one of those things where, you know, I guess we'll just see. Hopefully he can just add some depth. Um, I'm not necessarily high on the signing. I'm not low on the signing. It's just, you know, more depth in the secondary, in the defense. So uh, is that kind of how you guys see it? Do you guys have anything more to add on this signing? Well, the Bills are young at the position, right? So anytime you have a veteran with that pedigree, I think it's it's good. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, on the downside, when I was reading ESPN, like their picture of him, he's committing pass interference. So it's like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> or is that the one we'll where have to see. is that the one where he's uh trying to discuss with the ref like trying to argue with the ref like no no that wasn't passer appearance oh no this one he was actually the, you can see the ball in the air with chris hogan about to catch it but um johnson is just draped all over pulling his arms down <laughs> not even looking back at the ball <laughs> <laughs> uh that's not ideal that's not an ideal picture but hey even even um the best cornerbacks do that <laughs> that's funny that's funny. The, the the one that the one that I'm looking at BuffaloRumblings.com for all of this, by the way, because we're a Buffalo Rumblings podcast and because it's just a quick, easy way to get all of the information you need in free agency. The picture that they chose um, was him trying to talk to the referee saying, no, that wasn't bad interference. I didn't do it. So it's just funny. It's funny that those are the pictures that have. Uh, very small sample size. Very small sample two size. Out of two. Yeah, two, two out, out of two. Yeah. Two out of two. Terrible. Two out of two. John, what do you think about um, the signing? Are you are you for or against it? Yeah, uh, I'm for it. Yeah, I agree with you guys. They definitely need um, some more secondary depth, and this was a good way to do it. Had a veteran presence. Exactly, exactly. Maybe the Bills can get the most out of them using them in their defense. You know, somebody brought up this point on uh, on Twitter that you know uh, EJ Gaines a couple of years ago was very often injured, and he ended up being a good depth signing. So maybe this is another. EJ Gaines sort of signing. Um, we don't know exactly um, how many years or for how much money Johnson has been signed for. So um, I'm going to assume, knowing Brandon Bean, that uh, I, let me know what you guys think of this. I'm guessing it's either for a short contract because he has an injury history. So I'm guessing like it's a prove it one or two year contract with decent, you know, very average money, um, not, nothing crazy, or it's like a three or four year contract with pretty average money, but like they can get out of it after a year or two and like basically lose nothing. Does that sound about right to you guys? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So very, if I know Brandon Bean, he didn't overpay at all for Kevin Johnson. So, um, probably promised him playing time and a prove it deal or just a long, you know, very low, um, low risk, which is great, which is what we want from our GM for this type of move. All right. Now let's go into the second signing of the day. The second signing I did not see coming whatsoever and it was started um to be reported by mike roffalo of uh, nfl network i believe where um uh 
old, I, I, I should say ancient running back. The guy's still a beast, though. But 35-year-old running back Frank Gore signed with the Bills um, for a reported uh, one-year, $2 million deal. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I when when thinking about the Bills roster in general, you have Sean McCoy, who's 30 years old. You have Chris Ivory, that's 30 years old. You have Marcus Murphy, who's a very young guy. Um, he's only been in the league for a couple of, a couple of seasons, so we have some youth there. But I guess the the thought was the thought was that it would be um, someone with I don't know someone with more youth than Frank Gore. Did did that signing catch you guys off guard? Yeah, I didn't expect it either. Uh, um, you know, well, no matter what you think about running backs, right? Their age, like it, it's statistical outlier to have the the Bills to have the top three oldest. It's not like the, the the number one oldest, the number two oldest. It's the top three. And Gore, by such a wide margin, too, right? Like Chris Ivory is number two on the list at 30 years old. And Frank Gore is 35. It's over five years difference. That's crazy. That's true. That, well, there's two things, too, to take into account. Like, at least Gore, like he, his presence is going to be, I think, really good for the younger players on the team. Um, kind of a, more of a leader. Uh, a role type of player. He's not going to start. Um, obviously, McCoy is the starter. And then also, I think they might have gotten him a little bit because of his ability to pass protect, something where I think Marcus Murphy might have been a, a bit of a liability uh, um, last season. I still I still definitely think they should draft a guy. Uh, obviously, not in the, in, the, in the first few rounds or whatever, but they should draft a guy at some point, maybe on, on the second or third day. Um and and bring him up. Um, what do you think? So I was really down when I heard um this signing, mostly for the reason that that Mike said it's 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 age. These guys are old, and they're just adding more age to that backfield. But then you know I was I was asking people on Twitter, John, and you know to your point, I think it was more of a leadership mentality. They wanted um someone to go along with Lashawn McCoy to help with pass protection. And to give some better presence. And and let's be honest, like even though Frank Gore's 35, the guy's been a pro's pro and he's only produced wherever he has. In fact, Pro Football Focus um, mentioned today that he was 11th among all running backs with an overall grade of 81.4 in 2018. Like that's that's insane. He was 11th best in the league by Pro Football Focus standards. Um, so that's huge. Um, obviously, I don't know, you know, we all play fantasy football, so I don't know if you guys ever had Kenyon Drake. But it was very frustrating to own Kenyon Drake if you had the Miami Dolphins backfield because Frank Gore was always, you know, getting more touches. It seemed more and more each week. And you're like, what are you doing? You know, and, and then, you know, there's a reason why it's because he was producing, you know, and then I'll also read this. I'll read this tweet from Dave Richard of uh, fantasy football, CBS fantasy football. And he wrote uh, a really interesting thing. He said, Frank Gore is a durable, dirt cheap and has intel on the Jets' new offense and the Dolphins' personnel, plus whatever he can share on the Patriots' defense. So fantasy fans will make the puke face on his signing, but it's a smart one for the Bills. And the more I thought about it and the more I kind of, you know, just mulled it over, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the signing, but let me ask you guys this. There's no way the Bills are going to keep Frank Gore, LeSean McCoy, and Chris Ivory on the roster, right? There's absolutely no way. So here's here's... Here's how I see it. They're, they're obviously not going to cut Frank Gore. They just signed him. Unless he gets injured or something catastrophic happens. So now it leaves between 
the cuts of being either Chris Ivory or LaShawn McCoy. And right now, based on Spotrack, LaShawn McCoy has the third highest cap hit of any running back in the NFL. So I think one of two things happens. Either LaShawn McCoy gets cut and the Bills save like $7 million in cap space, or he gets um, he gets a chance to restructure his deal, or they just flat out Chris, Chris, or, uh, cut Chris Ivory. So I guess that's three different options. So, I mean, I... I guess if I had to guess, I think they really like LeSean McCoy um, and are probably going to cut Chris Ivory or they could restructure and still cut Chris Ivory. What do you guys think? I I, I agree. I think they're going to cut Chris Ivory, but they could also trade McCoy potentially. No, that's a, that's another option I didn't bring up. I wonder what the, uh, you know, the market on McCoy has got to be so bad after last year, though. Um, people thinking they, it's because of his age and there were some injuries. So, um, I But mean, everybody offensive line was terrible. That's true. That's true. We're going to get to offensive line signings in a minute, but that's a good point. But after point. 30, you fall off a cliff usually. Like what what teams are looking to give up assets for that? Yeah, exactly. You and might- I, I think one – like I understand that, yeah, the Bills are just signed Gore, right? It's exciting, but you've got to think they've given themselves a way out if he has training camp comms and he just doesn't have it, right? They're, they're protecting them themselves too. Good point. Good point. They get into camp. They they have a look at all four of them or all the four running backs, and I'm sure they're gonna draft someone at some point, maybe later in this draft. John, you're hoping that they take someone in the first round, like they usually do, or have in pass regimes. No <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. If you guys don't know, John has basically banged on the drum for this podcast of the Bills not taking running backs in the first round like they have in past regimes. I don't think this regime would do that, to be honest. I think they might be smart enough to not do that. Regime sounds like you're talking about a third world dictator, man. <laughs> this Okay, okay. It's, like it's being toppled every two years by <laughs> military coup. Well, it basically is being toppled every, uh, <laughs> every couple years in Buffalo. So, uh, but no, you're right. I should say front office. Is that better, Mike? It sounds less like a uh, like a coup, like a uh, <laughs> like whoever has the most a little better. Whoever has the better. most uh, most guns within that country or region. Administration, the current administration. Administration. <laughs> it sounds like a company then, a corporation. Um, the the next free agent signing comes uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals. It is uh, free agent tight end Tyler Croft. Who is who is reportedly, according to Eden Rappaport, um, on a three-year, basically a nineteen million dollar deal, but it can be worth twenty-one million dollars with incentives, which is roughly around six million a year, um, give or take. And um, basically, uh, let's see, hold on. Croft is coming off a foot injury that caused him to miss eleven games in twenty eighteen, um, which landed him on season-ending in- injured reserve. But twenty seventeen was somewhat of a breakout year compared to his two years prior with 42 catches, 404 yards, and seven touchdowns. That was another year that um, Bengals tight end Tyler Eifert was injured, which he has been very injured um, in recent past. And uh, Croft, though, was usually was primarily used as a blocker during his time with the Bengals. So he's six foot six, 250 pounds, and he could potentially be a, a red zone threat for Josh Allen and the Bills offense. So um, it's, it's not a cheap deal. It's definitely less than what they were paying Charles Clay. Charles Clay was averaging around nine million a year, so at around six million a year, he's he's definitely less money. 
supposedly he's a good blocker and he has the ability to catch the ball if he if he stays uh, healthy. So again, like kind of like the uh, the Kevin Johnson signing. You know, this is a guy that's that's signed based on potential. And you guys know my thoughts on on tight ends, right? About how many years it takes to develop, right? Or is this new? I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast. Let me guess. <laughs> Three years. <laughs> so I. Four? Oh, close. John's John's right on this one. It's actually five. Five. It actually is five years. So um, I read. You know this. the average player is in the NFL three, right? I uh, no, no, I didn't know that. So that sounds about right. But uh, <laughs> um, I read this book by Jonathan Bales, which is basically called Fantasy Football for Smart People, and uh, they talked about how how many years it takes um, every position from being drafted to make an impact statistically on an offense. So um, even though blocking will never be, you know, shown statistically as a receiver, it takes tight ends the longest to become statistically relevant in the NFL compared to college football. So um, it just, for whatever reason, I think it has a lot to do with blocking schemes and route running unlike other. So if you look at all the, all the really good tight ends in this league, like Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, all these guys took about four or five years to really make themselves known. It really is their second contract where they become relevant in the NFL. If they're going to be, not not all these guys are going to be, but if they're going to be, you're crazy, man. What about Gronkowski? I what about Aaron Hernandez? Aaron Hernandez was, I mean, killing people before then. You know what I mean? Like before his fifth year, yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. He'd already committed, yeah, and out of the league. <laughs> And you still want him to like be learning blocking schemes. Like in today's world, it's like produce in your rookie year. Yeah, I think I think Aaron Hernandez had committed his second felony by his fifth, fifth year, <laughs> his second killing. Um, it, it's just it's just it's just look at those guys. Look at Tony Gonzalez. Look at all the all the guys that have really done well in the NFL at the tight end position. It took them four or five years to really acclimate and become. Not that they didn't put up numbers in general. But they're always outliers like Gronkowski. Maybe that's a function of the league not recognizing their value. And now, like when we're writing the book, oh, it's five years in and we realize the tight end is a, a pass catcher position. I, I think it's I think it's just it just takes these guys that long. I think the college game is just that much different from the pro game. It's just like like I always say, Mike, you kind of alluded to it earlier, wide receivers. Wide receivers take a long time to acclimate to the NFL to become statistically consistent but then you know by your point mike you could say well julio jones and aj green it's like yeah those guys are outliers though it does take wide receivers roughly their third year to break out statistically and become relevant so if you're looking at it from our standpoint like zay jones would have his best year as long as he's healthy this year and you see it with a lot of these wide receivers out there just pay it attention. doesn't have too far to climb does he like if that's the bar <laughs> yeah catch roughly 50 to 60 percent of his balls instead of 20 or 30 yeah that would be that'd be ideal <laughs> um so so this is i'm i'm okay with this signing i i kind of like it. i know joe biscalia mentioned that he loves it so um i trust a guy like him more than um <laughs> more than my attention to fantasy football and those sorts of information um i mean 42 catches 404 yards and seven touchdowns would have been a great season for the Bills last season, and that was his best year. So it's possible that he could he could come out and do something like that. And the Bills don't really have anyone on their roster besides Logan Thomas, or I'm sorry, not Logan Thomas, Jason Kroom. 
So what are you guys what are you guys thoughts on the on the signing? Are you high, low, meh? What do you what do you think? No, I think it's good. Um they tight end is definitely one of their biggest needs. I still think they should draft a guy on top of it. Uh just much like the running back scenario. Um as far as the whole like five years thing to develop and all that, I think you're you're thinking too much from the fantasy perspective and maybe not like the contributing to the team perspective on that one. Me? You're going to let that go unchallenged? <laughs> I was going to see if you were going to pile on first <laughs> before I continued for, for my defense. So like, let me go back to what you were saying, John, is that I don't think that these guys are just do nothing for five years and then all of a sudden they become relevant. Like they kind of gradually become if they're going to be a top five or top 10 tight end you know they they don't become that usually until their fifth year so guys can produce and they have done well usually it's just not that common compared to all the tight ends that are drafted it's just rare and when you're talking about drafting a tight end which i definitely think they should draft a tight end i hear that this tight end is very deep in tight end depth which is great i think the bills will draft one at least in the mid rounds or possibly later that it'll this is a great bridge blocking tight end that has some receiving capability to allow a guy that you do draft this year to become in to come into his own in two or three years and become the lead tight end, become the Travis Kelsey or the Zach Ertz or Rob Gronkowski of this team if he's going to be that way. So they needed they needed a veteran. They got one. Now they can draft one and not feel weird about it or not feel like they have to rely on him. So Mike, you good with the signing? I mean, they're desperate. Yeah. He seems like a good option. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they get him on the upswing and not the downturn. Mm-hmm. Downswing is downswing a word? Uh, nope, nope. You just made it up. All right, <laughs> downturn. Hopefully, it's the upswing and not the downturn. Yeah. Well, the Bills. I mean, very, very encouraging. Very encouraging. But... Yep. And again, we'll see. I know that the Bills were going after uh, tight end Dwayne Allen, which uh, just signed with the Miami Dolphins. Um, good. <laughs> can't wait to play him twice a year. Yep. And, uh, tight end Jesse James from the Steelers just, uh, reportedly signed with the, uh, Detroit Lions, De- the Detroit Lions, excuse me. Um, so yeah. And now leads to our, our, the pinnacle of free agency so far. This might be the biggest signing that the Bills have this season, um, which is, uh, Something that, um, if you guys listen to the Q&A Rumblings podcast with Matt Warren, he discussed this as the most important need for the Bills all offseason in free agency was to land a veteran center. And the Bills did that today. They signed former Kansas City Chiefs center Mitch Morse. And um, this, is a, this is a huge signing. Um, he was listed as one of the top centers in the league. He's at a peak age. He's in the prime of his career. He's 26 years old. Um, he's proven to be a superior pass protector. Um, he was the anchor for one of the league's most prolific offenses and considered one of the best free agent offensive linemen on the market. I mean, if you guys watched or even paid attention at least a little bit to the Kansas City Chiefs offense, I mean, he was great calling protections. And this is the kind of guy that the Bills need at center and that they obviously didn't have last year with Russell Bodine or Ryan Groy. And they've really missed since Eric Wood's sudden retirement. Um, he's listed as six foot six, three hundred five pounds. He started forty nine, appeared in and started for forty nine games for the Chiefs. Um, Mitch Morris was graded as the thirteenth best center by Pro Football Focus in twenty eighteen. He's the seventh best center in pass blocking, the twentieth best in run blocking, and uh, 
he's he's just been great. I, and I think this is something that if you know we watched the Bills obviously every game last season, we talked a lot after every game, and you guys know how many times did it seem that the somebody would come up through the middle, get it looked like he was either unblocked or you know whatever. It was just it's different when quarterbacks have pressure around the edge for defensive end or linebacker blitzing. It's one thing when they're up the middle and you know, it basically leaves them unblocked and they're right in Josh Allen's face. It's, it's a terrible thing for a rookie quarterback to go through and to learn from. So I was, you know, very happy about this signing. I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm guessing you guys feel the same way, John. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I mean, the bills need between free agency and the draft, at least four more offensive linemen, probably all starters. And, um, they got one of the best centers available in free agency. Uh, the guy has been, um, Playing with the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, they've been doing all well. Obviously, there's there's more more to it than that, but mm-hmm. I'm excited. That's funny. I actually was I read on Reddit that Mahomes that um, Mahomes actually has a weak arm, and he gained his throwing ability from touching Morris's balls while taking snaps under center. <laughs> so that both well. <laughs> okay. All right. That was kind of. That's the kind of analysis you get here at Circling the Wagons. But look at you, the, the stats you mentioned. Like we need a center, but a lot of this seems like a function of just the market right now because he's now going to be the highest paid center in the league at eleven million a year, right? In the in the in the stats you read off, like oh he ranks twentieth in this category, and like it it doesn't seem like the money or the skills, the rankings bear out making him the number one paid center it's just bills are desperate yeah at this point i believe the contract and i don't know if you guys have details on this but i believe it's for a four-year 44 million dollar contract i want to say averaging 11 million a year so does that make him the highest paid center mike it does it does but the um the denver center hasn't been signed yet either and he's probably gonna get more and also, with all these contracts at this point in time, um, from what I've read, it's all, it's going to definitely, like, none of them are very accurate. So we don't know exactly what, what the contract's going to be for sure until Wednesday. That's true. We're going to find out a lot more even tomorrow and the day after. So um, so we'll just have to keep, you know, <clears throat> Mike, you bring up a good point about having to overpay for free agents, but I think that's just common. If you don't draft well, which this franchise has not done very well previous to the Brandon Bean, Sean, Sean McDermott era. Um, notice I didn't say regime right there, Mike. Um, <laughs> so you have to overpay for some of these spots where you have um, holes and you have this money that you have to spend. Like John said, we have at least four needs on the offensive line and they've basically um, taken care of two of them with Spencer Long, um, possibly a guard. Mitch Morse definitely being the center and the anchor of this offense. And uh, here, just some more stats I, I've seen from Pro Football Focus is that, that Mitch Morse has not allowed a sack since 2015, week seven, which is the fifth longest streak of Pro Football Focus era, the second longest active streak in the NFL. So that's great because you know the Chiefs are passing a lot. They're not a strictly run first offense. So this is going to be huge. Um, he had a 74. <laughs> Thanks, John. Um, he was a third-ranked interior lineman entering free agency. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a lot of great things 
written about um, Mitch Morris. So, so you're right, John. I guess the, really the the big signing for the center in this year's free agency was Matt Paradise from Denver, and a lot of Bills fans were looking forward to signing him. Um, he's a little bit older, even though he has more experience and has uh, better grades, I believe, from Pro Football Focus. At least the Bills, I imagine this guy's going to get a higher um, contract because he was reportedly going between the Bills and the Jets, and he ended up, I guess he's going to end up going with the Jets. So at least the Bills, if they didn't get the best guy, at least they got the consolation prize, the guy with upside, a guy with age on his side, just hitting his prime. So that's something the Bills fans should be excited about. I'm excited about. He's a proven um, commodity in a, in a from a great offense. So you know we need someone to keep Josh Allen upright, get the run game going, which is you know going to be key for any second year quarterback. And so I'm I'm pretty excited about the signing. Um, yeah, it's it's just worth mentioning, worth noting. Um, those were the major signings of today. Um, there were guys that were rumored. Uh, to be to be interested, um, or the bills that the bills were interested in signing, but they ended up signing elsewhere. Uh, Trey Flowers, a defensive end from New England, ended up signing with the De- the Detroit Lions today. Um, there are some rumors about uh, defensive end Frank Clark and defensive end D Ford possibly being uh, the Bills. Bills are looking at defensive end. It looks like, um, which is very possible that they sign another guy in free agency. So. Um, before today, we don't have final contract numbers, so I can't really speak of that. But before today, the Bills had over $70 million in cap space. Um, they'll probably have roughly uh, 50 to $52 million after today based on the the signing. So there's plenty of space left. So I'm excited. I think I think I started the day pretty, pretty much thinking like, hey, you guys going to do anything? By the time we're recording this, by the time we're talking, I, I feel like I'm in a good spot. I think they need to... I think they uh, real quick. What do you guys think um, they should add? All things being equal, if they could add any position right now with some veteran presence, a, a position that the Bills have as a need. What what position would you guys hope that they uh, they sign it a, a guy in to add to the roster that they haven't yet? What How about it, wide receiver? We're ranked thirty first in our positional spending. It's abysmal. That's what I was going to say, Mike. Actually, that's a really good one because I was going to say. <laughs> wide receiver man the bills definitely need wide receiver depth as a veteran i mean i think i saw the jets sign jameson crowder and uh i know that golden tate right now is still out there i know john brown is still out there i know that cole beasley is still out there i'm trying to think of other big free agent wide receivers not that those are even big i know tyrell williams is still out there that might be something but the good thing is i some of these guys are going to get huge contracts i trust Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott to not put too much money in a guy that's never been proven to to be a great wide receiver yet. Bill's still possibly looking at right tackle. Daryl Williams, as far as I, I know, has not been signed yet. So it's a possible uh it's a possibility the Bills go after him. In free agency, one of the better um offensive tackles in the league. Um as far as other AFC East signings, uh it's reported that the Jets are gonna sign Vikings. Ex Vikings linebacker Anthony Barr, the guy that you know is very famous for Josh Allen hurling over. So, of course, the joke over Twitter is what John gets to do it twice a year now, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, that was a lame joke. Uh, anyway, uh, I know that the uh, Patriots have signed defensive end Michael Bennett 
Um, just adding that, that's got to be a backfill for Trey Flowers going uh, to Patriots left tackle. Trent Brown was signed, is reportedly signed by the Raiders to a huge contract. Raiders just signing huge contracts left and right between Antonio Brown and now Trent Brown. Um, but yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the week goes. I really hope. So Mike, we're, we're talking about free agent signings, wide receiver, I guess right tackle or, or possibly left tackle if they want to slide. Deion Dawkins over would be a huge need. John, was there something, was there another need that you wanted to discuss? No, I I think you 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 got it um, with um, wide receiver and another offensive lineman. Um, another potential would be like an edge rusher or interior lineman, whether maybe another role player on defense type of thing. Another uh, another rotational guy, perhaps on the defensive line. Yeah, I could see something like that too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I see that too. I see them adding. So they're going to add a lot of depth after this first wave of free agency. And I think we're going to see some of these things, you know, some of these areas, either tackle or wide receiver or, you know, even even the positions that we think the Bills are pretty set at, you know, just signing guys. Like you said, defensive tackle, we're in decent shape, but I could see them adding more depth to that or defensive end. You know, I think the Bills could use a really good pass rusher on the other side of Jerry Hughes. I'm not ready to write off Trent Murphy yet or Shaq Lawson, barring, um, you know, Trent Murphy should be healthy this year, so that'll be good. But I can see them adding just another guy in for uh, for rotation and saying that we're good with that and maybe not even having to sign someone. Or possibly cutting Trent Murphy. That's been discussed before on uh, on this podcast as well. So, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the Bills go from here. All right, so I think we covered a lot. Bills have roughly 50 to $55 million in in spending cap space they still have 10 draft picks a lot of depth to be added on this team a lot of these players let's say because they had mitch morris they can still draft a center later and develop him or you know draft a guard or whatever and there's still you know room to draft a tight end now you just don't have to draft him in the first round i mean it just the good thing about free agency depth is it affords you the ability to not have to draft so high at a certain position so uh, i'm excited to see where the bills go from here i don't think there's at least I don't think there's going to be any huge splash signings, but if there is, you know, we'll try to get together and and record a podcast and talk about it um, as we can. And uh, as long as, uh, like I mentioned in our last episode, baby number two doesn't come for uh, old Nate Dog over here, then uh, I think we're we're in good shape. So, you guys want to sign off? Hey, do you think they could, uh, like, you know, they were looking into Antonio Brown. What if they try to trade for like Beckham? Do you think they would do that? I think that. Yes, I think that they would look into it. By the way, so we're not going to get into Antonio Brown a lot, but one thing that was encouraging to me as a Bills fan, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, is the fact that they just were willing to go after him. You know, the willingness to even kick the tires, talk about it. Obviously, in the end, it didn't work out. But with past regimes, I don't think they would have done that. I don't think Doug Whaley would have traded for LaShawn McCoy if it wasn't offered him, offered right to him. I don't think he would have even called about him. I think that I'm encouraged by the fact that Bean was willing to call the Pittsburgh GM, see what it cost, see if it was worth pursuing or not. So I think that the that um, Brandon Bean would definitely um, inquire about it if he thought that the compensation would be worth it. And he also obviously has that relationship with Dave Gettleman, who is a Giants GM, who is the was the GM of the Carolina Panthers when Brandon Bean was the assistant GM. So there's that relationship. I have this feeling, though, that unlike 
Antonio Brown who wanted to get out of Pittsburgh and was willing to do it for whatever, I think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to require a lot more than a third and a fifth round pick that Antonio Brown cost. I, I'm not 100% sure about that, but um, I think he'd inquire about it, but I, I, I don't think it's a realistic possibility. What do you, what do you think, John? What do you think about that? I, I would love the idea of Odell Beckham Jr. coming to Buffalo because he'd instantly upgrade the entire wide receiving core, but I'm not sure if uh, if it'd be worth the, the cap hit plus the amount of draft picks that you'd have to give up for it. What do you think, John? Um, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I would think that, you know, what it would cost trade-wise would be similar to Brown. I don't think it would be a ton more. Um, although, I mean, I guess, yeah, Pittsburgh was just looking to unload them, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. I think, the com- I think the conversation would be much more just because Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't said he wants out in the same way that Antonio Brown was. And I think part of that was Le'Veon Bell is leaving via free agency, which we haven't heard about Le'Veon Bell going anywhere yet, surprisingly. But um, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers basically got nothing for Le'Veon Bell um, for one of the best running backs in the league. So I did think they wanted to walk away from the Antonio Brown situation with something instead of having him sit a year and then releasing him or whatever. Um so I think that was a different situation. I think that the Giants would lot, would want a lot more than a third and a fifth. I want, I'm guessing at first, at least one first. And I don't think that Brandon Bean would necessarily give that up. Do you? No, not, I wouldn't want to give up a first for a receiver anyway. If the Bills were better on offensive line and wouldn't possibly use that, you know, that first round pick on a on a stud left tackle or whatever, I I I don't know. I I don't see him. I, I, I would be actually okay with a first-round pick. I think that it's very hard to find a receiver with that kind of talent in the first round. And like I always say, it takes three years to develop a wide receiver, so you get him in the prime of his career. But he also has that huge cap hit because I believe he's not the highest-paid wide receiver in the league right now, but um, he's up there. He's up there for sure. He's top. He's got to be top five. So you got to take the cap hit and and the draft uh, the draft capitals loss. So. Mike, what do you think? You think would you first of all would you take Odell Beckham Jr. and second of all do you think it's realistic that Bean would go for him? I don't think it's. I'd take him. I don't think it's realistic. I think he's the face of the franchise for the Giants. Yeah, I could see. The, I mean, they just gave him a huge contract. Yeah. Yep. There's no way they get rid of him. I shouldn't say that, but odds are they won't. I mean, there would be a complete rebuild if they got rid of Odell Beckham Jr. And you know, I mean, I don't think the Giants are willing to admit they're in a rebuild yet. I have a feeling like they're just kind of holding on to Eli. If they ever cut Eli or whatever, you know, but then again, they need cap space they're, because they're hamstrung by those two players. So I don't know. I just saw that Landon Collins, their star safety, just re- re- uh, signed with the Redskins. So, um, you know, they're losing players. They just had to trade Olivia, Olivia uh, Vernon to the Browns. So they, they need to hit the reset button. Yes. Yes, they do. Badly. Badly. So, um, so yeah, it would be great. I would enjoy that. I think he'd, I mean, he he's an instant wide receiver one on almost every team. And, you know, it'd be awesome to get Odell Beckham Jr. Even with all his baggage, all these guys have a little bit of baggage. All these top receivers do. That's why they're so good. I don't think he would be the guy. Do you think that guy would be, do you think he would be too much of a distraction, though, if he was with the Bills? Or do you think he would buy into the system once he's here? Because there are possibly games where he won't get, it could be a, a stretch where he only gets like two or three passes, you know, after a few games, 
because of the way that the Bills run their offense. They're not passing a ton. And it seems that they're intent on running the ball more than passing it, at this point at least. Or maybe that was just a product of lack of offensive weapons and offensive linemen. But um, How much worse could it be than Eli has been recently? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Do you think he would be a distraction here, though, if he didn't get the ball like he wanted to? I don't know. I think I think the there's enough leadership within the organization and, and players on the team where you know they the, they could curb that. You think he would trust? Which might be why. Yeah. Might, that might be one of the reasons why they're looking at Antonio Brown in the first place, right? Like, why would they? Why would they even look at him if he's been like such a diva and everything else? Mm-hmm. Probably because they think that you know they could make it work. Yeah, agreed. Mike, do you think he would buy into the system? Do you think you could just take any wide receiver? I mean, this doesn't have to be specifically Odell Beckham Jr. It could be Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., any of these guys that have like kind of a little bit, a very short checkered past, really. I mean, these guys aren't T.O. or Ocho Cinco or anything like that, or Keyshawn, Mishawn back in the day. <laughs> um, do you think the Bills have the kind of culture that could overcome you know, a wide receiver with a, a short checkered past? I think it it really depends on the individual. Uh, I think pe- just people, not even NFL players, right, or stars, like you want to feel like you're moving in the right direction. And you don't want to, as these guys get older and older, you recognize that your window is getting smaller and smaller to win or make money or whatever your impetus is. So, like, you got to feel like you're moving forward. Um, hopefully the Bills are on the upswing, right? Hopefully Josh Allen's the franchise quarterback um, of the future. But right now, the Bills do have a lot of question marks. Absolutely. They do, but you know, luckily they addressed some of those today. So we're going to leave on a high note with that. The Bills addressed some some decent needs right now. The major need on an offensive line at center position. Um, the guy that's going to be calling out protections for Josh Allen, which you know is going to be huge for any second-year quarterback, which would have been huge last year for a rookie quarterback. Um, so I can, see, I can only see Josh Allen taking some steps forward this season. Um, and remember, the Bills still have 10 draft picks, like we mentioned earlier. So this is this is a, a good spot for the Bills to be in. It'll be interesting to see who they bring in on the team, you know, uh, in the next week or so of free agency, you know, the major other, the second tier and a free agents. So this is a good time. I'm, I'm encouraged by this. This is the first, if you think about this, this is the first time that Brandon Bean has actually been able to add the players that he's wanted in free agency because every I mean they, they did a little bit last year with Star Latulale and you know Trent Murphy and you know guys like that. Obviously, you know, the year before that, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, like they've they've definitely added some really good guys. But this is the first year where where Bean has actually had some space to add the guys that he's wanted to. So this year is the first year it was never about money. You know what I mean? This is the first time it's been that that way. So that's so we'll see how this goes. And and uh, someone brought this up on Twitter, and uh, I don't know if you guys have ever thought of this, but the Bills haven't done that well on the offensive side of the ball in free agency yet. They've done some good drafting, and uh, and you know they've gotten some pieces that way, but they really haven't gotten any really good pieces in free agency. If you think about it, I mean, just so if you look on the offensive line, you're talking Vlad Dukas, Russell Bodine, you know, on wide receiver, Calvin Benjamin, Andre Holmes, Deontay Thompson. I mean, nothing really sticks out to you as far as guys that have been even steady or decent at the position. So this, the the signings 
today of tight end Tyler Croft, the signing of center Mitch Morris, the signing of you know Spencer Long uh, a week or so ago, um, the signing of Frank Gore, I guess you could throw in there too. Uh, this is going to be a big test. This is the first chance that Bean has had money to spend at this position. The first time he's actually picked up some guys that that might actually make an impact. So, you know, I guess it's a wait and see. All right. So uh, I thought we were going to sign off like 20 minutes ago, but we're not. Now we're going to sign off, I think. So for John. This is the air. <laughs> for Mike. Go Bills. And for me, Nate, go Bills. Still over $50 million in cap space, 10 draft picks. We're just getting started. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.